Jeremiah says in verse 8, So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. That's our cheery title for today. Insult and reproach all day long. Are you ready for that? Doesn't sound like much fun, does it? Not a pretty picture, but often an accurate one. Being faithful to the Lord will often mean pain. That was true in the 7th century B.C. and is true today in the 21st century A.D. Being faithful is often painful. Being faithful is often painful. In this age, while we wait for the kingdom to come in its fullness, being faithful is often painful. And Jeremiah 20 can help us to prepare for that and to help us to endure that and to help us pray when it's like that, when we hit rock bottom. Have you ever hit rock bottom? So first, let's see what kind of trouble Jeremiah got himself into. Chapter 20, verse 1. When the priest Pashur, son of Immer, the chief officer in the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Just stop there for a second and think about that. Do you get the picture? Jeremiah smashed that jar in chapter 19. And then he came back and he said, This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will smash this nation and this city just as this potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired. Where did he say that? In the temple courts. And pastor said, Oh no, you don't do that. That's enough. That's treason, and that's speaking out against the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. That's blasphemy. Pasha was apparently in charge of temple security. He was the bouncer. He was the chief officer. And when he heard what Jeremiah said in the temple courts, he felt he had to take action. Do you sometimes think that Jeremiah seemed all official? Like he was like this officer of the state? No, they saw him as a rabble-rouser. The temple saw him as a rabble-rouser. They're like, get that guy out of here. Imagine if he'd come in here and smashed his pot and said, this church is going down. And our ushers would have been finding him the door, right? The police would have come. Well, Pasher calls the police. And they put him in prison. They put them in the stocks. We're, we're not sure what Israelite stocks were actually like. They might have been like those, um, the wooden stocks from colonial times where you put your head through the wood and your arms through and you have to stand stooped over like this and people throw rotten tomatoes and everything moldy at you. We don't know. Could have been kind of one of those little hanging cages, confinement. All we know was that his freedom was taken away from him and that he was beaten. Probably 39 lashes. Now, we, we don't know when this was in his life. Probably late in his ministry. 
Jeremiah had probably been preaching like this for decades now. That crazy man, Jeremiah. Says the same thing all the time and then it never happens. Maybe three decades he's been preaching like this. Everything he says is true about what they're doing wrong, but they don't want to hear it. Maybe he's going on four decades by this time. The clay was hardened. He smashed the pot. And here Jeremiah is enduring a beating and an imprisonment. This is not just threats or conspiracies. This is actual violence. This is actual persecution. These are real wounds on his back. And the shame they were trying to put on him was enormous. Insult and reproach all day long. All night long. He had to spend the night in this position. And why? Because he was being faithful. Being faithful is often painful. Jeremiah was saying things they did not want to hear. Do you believe that being painful is often faithful? I mean, no, I said it wrong. I knew I was going to say it wrong one time today. Hope it's just once. Do you believe that being faithful is often painful? Are you ready for the pain? What do you do when this becomes your life as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ? What do you do when it's insults and reproach all day long? I've got three points of application this morning from chapter 20, and here's the first one. Number one, preach the truth. Preach the truth, even when it hurts. When it's insults and reproach all day long because you're preaching the truth of the Lord, keep preaching the truth of the Lord. Look at verse 3. I, I don't know about you, but I would be tempted to just shut my mouth the next day if I got released from the stocks. But that's not what Jeremiah does. Look at verse 3. The next day, when Pasher released him from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, The Lord's name for you is not Pasher, but Magar Misabib. For this is what the Lord says, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. With your own eyes, you will see them fall by the sword of their enemies. I will hand all Judah over to the king of Babylon, who will carry them away to Babylon or put them to the sword. I will hand over to their enemies all the wealth of this city, all its products, all its valuables, and all the treasures of the kings of Judah. They will take it away as plunder and carry it off to Babylon. And you, Pasher? And all who live in your house will go into exile to Babylon. There you will die and be buried, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. Jeremiah does not trim the truth. He hasn't cowed by a night in the stocks. He's not intimidated by pasture and shut down by his persecution. Instead, he stands up and he speaks the truth. What they do not want to hear, he's a Broken record about a broken covenant and the judgment to come. He changes Pasher's name. He gives him a nickname, Magar Misabib, which means terror on every side. And he explains that that's exactly what Pasher could expect to happen to him and to his friends. Terror on every side. And for the first time in this book, he names who the terrible invader from the north will be. It'll be Babylon. 
and Pasher himself will be exiled to Babylon and die there. Because he's been saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. He's been saying, it'll be fine, when it will not be fine. He's been saying, everything will turn out okay, when everything was not going to turn out okay. They were going to be uprooted, and that is the truth. Preach the truth. Now, I don't mean that you have to be a preacher, okay? Not only some of us are supposed to be preachers, but we should all be truth tellers and not back off on telling the truth just because it hurts when we do so. Pastor wanted to shut Jeremiah up, and Jeremiah refused to shut up. Now, of course, we need to speak the truth in love, right? That's a non-negotiable for followers of Jesus, always with love, but also always with truth. In what areas of your life are you tempted to trim the truth or even to tell a lie just to get the pain to go away? If I were Jeremiah, you know, I cannot imagine being Jeremiah. I have never been beaten just because I was being faithful to the Lord. Sometimes when I read Jeremiah, I feel like, man, he's a bit of a whiner, isn't he? All this complaining all the time, all this weeping. And then you read and you see what he went through. And you say, no, I'm the whiner. Jeremiah is just a weeper. He's just suffering. If I were Jeremiah, I would be so tempted to slink away nursing my wounds or even to change my tone and say, peace, peace, when there was no peace. But that would be a lie. It would be unfaithful to the Lord. But it would get them off of our backs. Maybe it wouldn't hurt so much anymore. Because this being pain, faithful sure is painful. In verses 7 through 10, we get a picture of just how painful it was for Jeremiah. Because he reveals his heart. And he felt, in fact, trapped and tricked. Tricked and trapped. Look at verse 7. This is the last and saddest prayer. Oh Lord, you deceived me. And I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Man, those are strong words, aren't they? <sighs> I think Jeremiah is again going too far. Would you agree? He's saying more than he should say. He seems to be accusing God of doing something wrong. The word for deceived could be translated enticed or seduced or lured. Even if you take it as persuaded, he's saying you overcome every objection. You pushed me into this. And that's overspeaking, which can be dangerous. But the point of this prayer is that this is how he feels. And that's true. That's how he felt. He feels pushed into a painful place by Yahweh, inveigled. 
He didn't choose this. He wouldn't have chosen it if he knew how it would actually feel a few decades in. He's not just been beaten and imprisoned, he's mocked and ridiculed. He's a laughingstock. It's one thing to take a licking. It's another thing to take a laughing. You ever had anyone laugh at you? Have you ever been the butt of the joke? It's like that all the time for Jeremiah. Everywhere he goes. Especially because he's been saying that judgment is coming for decades. Sometimes with props, right? Linen belts and broken pottery. And that doesn't win you any friends. And then the judgment hasn't yet materialized. What would you do? Quit? Jeremiah feels like quitting. But he's not allowed. Quitting's not an option for him. Look at verse 9. But if I say, I will not mention him, the Lord, or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. When, when you look at that picture on the front of your bulletin, it looks like a wonderful thing that his word is in my heart like a fire. How nice. How warm and cozy. But that's not how it was. For Jeremiah, it was actually a terrible feeling. If Jeremiah tried to keep silent, then the fire would just build up inside of him. He'd be scorched on the inside. And if he spoke, the fire would come out, and then the beatings would begin. And the insults and the reproach, they would shoot the messenger. But if he tried to hold it in, it would burn inside of him. He couldn't quit. He couldn't win. He shouldn't quit. This is the truth. He should preach the truth. But he couldn't quit. So he felt tricked and trapped and persecuted. Look at verse 10. I hear many whispering. Terror on every side. Report him. Let's report him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, Perhaps he'll be deceived. Then we'll prevail over him and take our revenge on him. You see how they threw those words back in his face? What he called Pasher, terror on every side? They're calling him that behind his back. Here goes Mr. Terror on every side. Do you see terror on any side? I don't. I'm so scared. They're calling him Chicken Little. They're just looking for him to slip up and say something wrong so they can take him down for good. And it just hurts. It just hurts. What do you do when it's insults and reproach all the day? Well, yes, you keep on preaching the truth no matter what. Stay faithful. But it's also clear here that you pray your heart out too. That's point number two. Pray your heart out. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Yes, Jeremiah goes too far, but he goes to the Lord with it. If you're aimed towards the Lord, you're going to get right. Yes, he'll need to repent of saying that the Lord deceived him, but not of saying that he felt tricked and trapped. In fact, the Lord actually wants to hear that. See, it's right here in your Bible to show us that we can pray like this and not be turned into toast. 
The Lord wants to hear. You pray your heart. Don't be afraid to pray your pain. Don't be afraid to get real and raw in your prayers to the Lord. He can take it, and you probably need it. Don't think you have to get all calm and peaceful before you go and pray. No, take your whole hot, messy self into your prayers, especially when you're hurting. The fact that there are all these painful psalms of lament in the Bible should give us a clue that God wants us to pray our hearts out, to pray our guts out to him. When was the last time you told the Lord exactly how you feel, how you actually feel? Don't be afraid to pray your pain. Especially when the world comes after you for being faithful to your Lord. Today there are Christians being persecuted for their faith all over the globe. And we need to pray for them. We need to pray that they stay faithful to the gospel message when their government or their neighbors put pressure on them. And we need to pray that they will pray and pour out their hearts to the Lord who hears every single one. And pray that they will pray with faith and even with some joy. That's what Jeremiah does in verses 11 through 13. These verses come almost as a shock after the last few. Look at verse 11. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fall and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Wow, didn't expect that, did you? It's almost like whiplash to go from verse 10 into verse 11. But they're both true. They're both bound up in the heart of the prophet. They both come out as he prays, his heart out to the Lord. When it's insult and reproach all day long, pray your heart out. And not just pray your pain, but pray your praise. Now, I don't know if Jeremiah actually felt any joy at this point in his life. Doesn't seem like it. Doesn't seem like it, especially when we get to verse 14. But we know that Jeremiah did have faith. He knew what was true. Even at rock bottom, he knew that the Lord was present, powerful, and prevailing. Did you see that? Look again at verse 11. But the Lord is, what's he say? With me. Jeremiah knew, even if he couldn't feel it, that the Lord was present. Now, he might have felt kind of hemmed in by the Lord, but he felt like he was with the Lord. The Lord had promised that to Jeremiah from the beginning and even before his beginning. Remember chapter 1? Very first chapter, the Lord said to Jeremiah, Get yourself ready, stand up, and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand up against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. He's been doing that. They will fight against you, even put you in the stocks, even give you a beating, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. 
All these decades later, Jeremiah knows that that is still true. The Lord is with him. Does that mean it doesn't hurt? No, I wish. Sure does hurt. But it does mean that all is not lost, no matter how it feels. Do you need to hear that this morning? I'll bet some of you do. Say that in your heart right now. But the Lord is with me. Turn to the person next to you and declare it to them. But the Lord is with me. But the Lord is with me. He is present and he is powerful. Jeremiah says that he is with him, what? Like a mighty warrior. He's so strong. He's almighty. He has the power to bring about change. Like we saw last week, the Lord is the potter. He is able to bring justice and make things right again in the world. None of this terribleness is getting beyond him. It's all a part of the plan. It's all part of what the potter is doing to make things right in the world. And one day he will. Jeremiah knows it. Look at verse 11 again. The Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. He knows the end from the beginning, doesn't he? He knows where it's all going. The Lord will most assuredly bring justice. Jeremiah knows the Lord will prevail. It hasn't happened yet. The Lord still, he still hasn't done it yet. Jeremiah still has to ask for it to happen. That's what he does in verse 12. O Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. Bring the justice. For to you I have committed my cause. Jeremiah knows that justice is coming, but it is so hard to wait. Do you see how he's praying his heart out? And how he encourages his heart to sing even when he doesn't feel like it? Sometimes the most important thing to do when you hit rock bottom is to sing up to the skies. Look at verse 13. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Jeremiah knows in his heart that the Lord is present, powerful, and will prevail. When Jeremiah hit rock bottom, he found the rock at the bottom. And he sang to him. And he prayed his heart out to him. This is how you pray when it's insults and reproach all day long. You pray your pain. And you pray your praise to your Savior all day long. And then you pray your pain some more. I wish we could stop at verse 13. I'd love to end on a high note of hallelujah. But that's not what life is often like, is it? You go through your life just hallelujah all day long? It's not how life is, especially when you're at rock bottom. All of verses 11 through 13 is true, but it doesn't actually change how Jeremiah feels. The pain doesn't just slip away. So that now he lives on a higher plane that the pain can't touch. That's not how it works. 
Jeremiah is still depressed. His situation has not changed. He still has just endured a beating and a shameful night in the pillory. He is still preaching that judgment is coming and it still has not come. They're still making fun of him. He is still alone. He is still faithful. But it is still painful. So he's still depressed. And so he continues to pray his heart out to the Lord. Look at verse 14. This is the bottom of the bottom. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. No happy birthdays for me. Sad birthdays for me. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. No cigar for that guy. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity, Sodom and Gomorrah. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon, for he did not kill me in the womb. I wish he'd aborted me. With my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever, why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Rock bottom. Still hurts. He's coming close again to going too far again. If you cursed your parents or the Lord, that was a capital offense in Israel at that time. So he curses his birthday and the guy who brought him the news, his dad the news. But what he's really doing is just praying his pain out, isn't he? He's really just expressing how bad it feels to be him right now. And the Lord wants us to pray like this when we feel like this. There will be times when you feel like this. In fact, if there are no times when you feel like this, you might be doing it wrong. Often being faithful is painful, so if you're never in pain, are you living in faith? I'm not saying you have to be painful all the time or go running after pain. I'm not. I'm saying run after faith. When I read verse 18, you know who I think of? Why did I ever come out of the womb? To see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Why? Kind of sounds like Job, doesn't it? He said something like this in chapter 3 of his book. And it sounds like King David. Read Psalm 31. There's a lot of similarities between Jeremiah 20 and Psalm 31. But it also sounds like something King Jesus said on the cross. My God... My God, why have you forsaken me? Jeremiah's not the only man of sorrows in the Bible, is he? He's not the only weeping man. Jesus came out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow to the end of his days, hanging on a cross, bearing our shame. And he knew why. Intellectually, he knew why. 
But he was feeling the question with all the depths of his human soul. And it meant all the difference to you and me. His sorrow led to our salvation. We just sang about it. As the prophet Isaiah predicted, Jesus was despised and rejected by men. Insult and reproach all day long. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities like a pot broken, smashed at the potsherd gate. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. His sorrow led to our salvation for all who put their trust in him. Amen? (laughs) And do you know what Jesus did when he felt this way? When he received insult and reproach all the day long, when Jesus hit rock bottom, he kept going. He persevered in faithfulness. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This is our last point. It's point number three. Persevere no matter what. Here's what I want to point out about the end of Jeremiah chapter 20. We get to the end of chapter 20 and nothing is better, right? He doesn't feel any better. He feels at the bottom. But he keeps on going. He feels this way and it's unresolved. It continues to feel hopeless. He hits rock bottom, but he doesn't quit. He never quits. Because there's a Jeremiah chapter 21 and 22 and 23. And tw- there's a Jeremiah 52. He just keeps on going. He just keeps on preaching the truth even though Judah never repents. He just keeps on praying his heart out to the Lord even though Jerusalem will be smashed and uprooted and he himself will die in obscurity. Probably a refugee in Egypt. Jeremiah keeps on persevering in faithfulness for 40 years. The word of the Lord kept burning as a fire in his bones and he kept letting it out. And he keeps trusting in what he knows but he cannot yet see. The Lord is present, powerful, and will prevail. The Lord is present, powerful, and will prevail. But the Lord, I know, is with me. He is the rock at rock bottom. He's my rock at rock bottom. So Jeremiah can still stay faithful, even though it still stays painful. And so can you and I.